What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Jock Podcast. How you doing today, Jesse? You like this? Oh, yeah, I like the you post. Like this? This, is my, this is my album cover pose. For those might be listening in. I, like in the 90s, he, like this is what they did all the time. He looks like he belongs on uh, the cover sure. of a boy band album. Yes. Name a boy band from the 90s and go. Voiced Men. <laughs> Do we really count them as a boy band? They did <laughs> eventually evolve into men. They did. They did. So they were a boy band and then they were a men band. Yeah, a man band. Boy band to man band. Man band. So I get it. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's uh, it's awesome. Uh, if I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be authentic. I think that's one of the big things about this podcast that I think we are. If I sound a little rasty, it's because I've been shouting at a hundred high school kids every single day on a football field. So it's just, it is How what it is. Dare we you have a profession. It. We do the best we can. We drink some tea. We move on. Like that's yeah. just what we do. You're so, not allowed to have a profession so outside of the Nerd Jock podcast. Dad gum it. All right. I'm going back to my cryo chamber when I'm not shooting this podcast. Cryo chamber time. So let's go or, ahead and, uh, uh, wait, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? What was the one that Gohan and Goku would go fight in? The hyperbolic like chamber. Hyperbolic Thank chamber. you. I need one of those. Turn oh up my the gosh, gra- if I could have one turn of those with my clients. Dude, those scenes were so badass. If I could have one of those with my clients, that would be great. It, that would be. Um, so <laughs> we've got, obviously, our wonderful segments for today, and we have an amazing human being coming on and joining us in a little bit. Uh, but before we get to that wonderful piece of royalty... Uh, can we jump into some of the news articles? Let's do some news. I like news. Let's there's, there's do been news this week. Cause one of the first things that stood out to me was, and I don't know if you have seen this trailer, but there was a trailer for a next gen title called black myth. Woo Kong. And that trailer is literally the first trailer for a next gen title where when watching the game, I was just like, this is actually a next gen video game. Like it, it looked it, it played like it. And I was just blown away by what I was seeing. Have you seen it? Um, yes, I have. And I also signed up yesterday for the pre-order list for PlayStation for PS5. So just perspective, maybe Same. not Same. causation, but there's a correlation there. Maybe it's a causation. So no, yeah. it's, it's really exciting to see the performance ability of the next gen. I mean, it's, it's exciting. You know, you're hoping at this stage in the game that they're not, you know, you remember when they're like the red lights of death for Xbox oh was God. it 360 came out. I feel like we're farther ahead from a software standpoint that we're not going to see those types of things with the first generation of consoles. Yeah. Like I really feel like we have a really good chance with the elevation of technology that we're not going to see the same uh, launch issues. I mean, PS4 and Xbox one, were pretty much launch issue free. You know, they made them better, but they yeah. were pretty much launch issue free when they came out. There were some issues so. with like the fans, mainly uh, uh, not the people, the fans inside the hardware. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> the hardware itself had some difficulties uh, right up front, which is why you get like the pro model and things like that. But I mean, it, it's it's normal with tech. Like the, the Nintendo Switch is about to get its next gen, its next upgrade in uh, 2021 being able to do like 4k and stuff. So it's just something we should expect with hardware. It's always shocked to me when something can't do 4k at this point. Like, yeah, is everything like standard 12k yet? Or like, where are we at with that? Does it yeah. jump from 8k to 16k? Like, 
when do we go from K to AR? When, 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 do, when do I we go like, from understanding that we can't actually see past 2K right. because none of us are playing on screens unless you have screens large enough to understand the difference that they're just uh, they, they get our they get our paychecks, guys. They get our paychecks. When hearing that hearing that the PS5 was optimized for 8K, I was like, OK, well, I have a 4K TV and that's fine. Like now I can actually start renting out movie theaters for game nights with friends and just bring my own console when it'll there matter. You go. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. I will pay for that. Let's do that. Right? We just split the price between friends. New revenue stream for movie theaters. Listen to it. it, AMC and um, Regal. I don't know anything else other than okay. AMC Regal Cinema. Yeah, maybe? whichever one's around um, when we get back to normal life. Oh, normal life. That's a fun thought. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of normal life, so obviously in the last couple of episodes, we have covered the fact that uh, sports have been back. Uh, it, obviously, with the global pandemic going on, we know that uh, sports have taken a hit. Team sports, no spectators. Well, uh, I don't want to say a big shocking change occurred this week, hmm. but uh, I think the biggest story of the week is the mass protests across all major sports. Yeah. So obviously, uh, it started in the NBA. It started with um, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Um, the Bucks forfeited, or they didn't forfeit. They said they weren't going to play in the game. Yeah. Uh, and then the Magic said we're not going to accept the forfeit. So they they too said they're not going to play as well. Oh, and then I every other game part. tended to do that. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a very cool detail because yeah. the Bucks were the first one to do it. Yeah. And the Magic could have accepted the forfeit, right. but they decided they weren't going to accept the forfeit. Oh, good. Good for so them. So they actually. Yeah. So, and then we've had multiple sports that were all, um, you know, the, uh, MLS. Uh, we got uh, nothing from MLB yet. Uh, we have had practices canceled for college basketball, but it's it's interesting to see, you know, the 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 activity from a social standpoint that sports are taking right now, which I think is it's a good start. It's a good step. Um, you know, there's you know, it's crazy. 50 years ago, there weren't as as much riding on sports. We've seen what not having sports has done to local economies and that sort of thing. So you'd hope that the NBA, the teams walking away and making stands, would have a bigger effect than necessarily the bus boycott in the 60s that lasted 379 days. Like it took 379 days to make any change. You would hope that you know the, the stances that these sports teams are making – where it looks like the NBA is going to go back to basketball, but I think the Clippers and Lakers voted they didn't want to go back, but it's a, it's a, it's a whole league vote that's going on right now. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's 2020. Can't be understated that we've had a global pandemic. We've had um, just, just such an illumination of social injustice. And then, you know, murder hornets, aliens, like, it's crazy. What, what else? What's yeah. coming? What, what I think else? people should. I, th- I, sh- I think people should stop saying because they're probably the ones summoning all of this continuation of, of negative shit. Is literally saying can't get any worse because 2020 what? continues to prove to us that it can get worse. Oh my gosh! Well, what I what Kanye I do is running for president. Uh, yeah. Like that's that, that's just. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse. Yeah. I, I am, I am for me, you know, when I was observing this and, and I was watching some of the, the, the different coverage on it, 
I was actually, I was like, I was pleasantly surprised because part of me was like, you know, these people, these, these professionals are jeopardizing their, their livelihoods for what they believe in. And, right. and I, I'm just at awe for that kind of choice, that ability to stand up uh, and, and plant yourself and, you know, do the uncomfortable thing and saying and addressing something that you feel like is like it's there's nothing in in their worldview and 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 i and i aside with this worldview it's like it feels like nothing's changing and it feels like we're kind of like living in this loop and until we actually see a change happen people are still going to continue to feel this way and and how many more of us need to take a stand we need we need Neo to rescue us from the Matrix because it's obvious. It just it, I'm I'm serious. Like it just it seems like it's on this loop, right? We're just being fed to us, and we just keep doing the same stuff over and over and over again, and over and over and over again. Like who knows? I don't remember how long the Matrix actually went on. I'm tying this back to nerd jock life because of sci-fi, but yeah. it's, it kind of feels like that, right? Where it's yeah. like it just keeps kind of circulating and happening, and we just keep going. All right, we're here. We're along for the ride. Just yeah. you know, things will change themselves, and then I and. You know, and, and who knows if something changes because the NBA players do it. But I do know that at the end of the day, you have to be responsible for your own actions. And the only thing that you can do is that the is is be able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I did what I thought was right. 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 And that's what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. So if the NBA players, that's how they feel. They they have they, they have the right to do that. I think the, the the league as a whole has been the best sports league to support that. And you and I. You know, we're two Italian Americans. Okay, we're 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 American, but you know, fourth generation from Italian, whatever. So we have not experienced what other people have experienced, and we have not experienced what people are experiencing going through this. So we sit from a position that's that's definitely totally different. Yeah. We try and have empathy, but we don't. We're, there's no way we can have enough empathy. But at, we can support people's rights, men and women's right yeah. to ask for and want to make a change yeah and that's and that's what we that's what we need to be that's what freedom is all about right yeah you know beyond nerdjock status that's what freedom is all about is being able to say we're not playing basketball because this is happening and if they chose we're not going to play basketball until this is happening that's what freedom's all about right yeah absolutely and 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 i'm you know for me as as a nerd jock and as a uh you know both both lifelines of of observing like companionship on a team and companionship in gaming the one thing that i always felt like specifically with within the gaming community that i saw resonate from from other players uh and teammates um that i came up with was i don't see anything about you in terms of your skin color or uh, uh, maybe your, your personality. I see where you come from and like how you treat me. And if you're good to me and you treat me right, I'm going to treat you the same. And how do I do that? Right? Like, how do I treat that person opposite of me is, is if they are suffering and claiming that they're suffering and going through something, not downplaying it, not dismissing it, not criticizing it, but recognizing it, stopping, listening and, and, and engaging with it. And I feel like both the nerd and jock community have, treated me in that way in my life um you know that seeing this and talking about this right now it makes me feel you know it's like this sucks because this shouldn't be happening but it is happening and i'm glad we're supporting those who are expressing themselves due to the suffering that is going on around us 
And I think, um, you know, we, we don't, obviously, if you're, if you're coming here to talk about so, a social, this is the wrong podcast to come to, come to for discussions about social just, justice. But I do want to say, and I think this is going to be my, my last thought on the subject in, in, in this medium, is that coming from a background of sports, I think there's a certain, I'll never understand someone who comes from the same background as me when it comes to sports and just sports alone, not, not, not the way we were brought up, not, you know, the school that we went to or the community we were in or just sports. I'll never understand people who came through playing sports like we did and ever walking away feeling like any race is less than the other. I'll mm-hmm. never understand that mm-hmm. because we were every sport I've ever played, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, the, the whole two sports I played, basketball and football, have <laughs> always been about team, brotherhood, and love, and supporting each other. And it was never the white guys on this side, black guys on this side. It was never about that. It was always about supporting and loving everyone around us. And to think that for me, sports like that was 20 years ago is, yeah. is, is insane to think about. And insane to think about those people, those men and women who, who did that at the same time I did, Maybe some of the men and women making bad decisions and raising, you know, younger versions of themselves up to making those those decisions. You know, yeah. I just I don't I don't get it. I I hope we see some some really strong changes. And and yeah. this comes from someone who was a law enforcement officer. Yeah, so. yeah. We 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 need to see it. It's the one thing I love about gaming so much is uh, we can make some decisions that maybe we wouldn't make in the real world in those worlds and see the outcomes that can play from them, uh, yeah. like sure. a decision recently made for our next our next story which i think we should just jump into the 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 deep dive topic uh is okay the decision to allow fans to come in and watch some wwe but how are they doing it again jesse could you can you help me understand this the thunderdome right the thunderdome so i think the last time i heard something referred to as the thunderdome was an episode of rick and morty Mm-hmm. Where they were, where where Rick became Armathy. He had Armathy, and That's he was right. fighting people in the Thunderdome. Yeah. It's an amazing episode, by the way. If you've never seen yeah. the Revenge story of Armathy, please go watch Rick and Morty so right now. It's so good. So WWE has been performing all. So obviously, we know with the global pandemic going on that wrestling as a whole right now is not being done in front of crowds. Their artificial crowds in the last few months have been other wrestlers, other whether developmental talent or backstage talent, sitting around the ring behind plenty glass, you know, rooting on, you know, AEW started with that and then WWE started to adopt it. But WWE decided, you know what, we've been doing this at the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. We want to take it to the next level. So we're going to move it to Amway, which is the very large sports stadium we have here, arena. But we're going to put rows of LED boards with screens, we're on a first-come, first-served basis. What's on these LED boards? People's faces who are watching whatever the event is. So, like live, like wrestlers, live, like as if they were there live. Oh yes, yeah, so live, hmm. so live. Not cardboard cutouts. You know, the NBA did this too, but you didn't like, like the NBA's fan base. And wrestling's fan base, I would argue, are a little bit different. Wait, are you saying they're not the same? 
they are not the same. And I'm not saying that in a good way or a bad way, but this I am is a fan base that, that will attack the wrestlers because they're so passionate about the storylines where the wrestlers that I've met in my lifetime are like, yeah, I, I, it ha it's happened. And you're just kind of like, is, oh, okay, I'm going to have to deal with this now. Oh my and God. I think you provide the, I think you just provided the perfect segue to our guest because I've been lucky enough to have known a professional wrestler since I was 15 years old. Oh yeah. Uh, we used to drive long. a boat together. It's been that long. We wow. used to drive a boat together and hunt sharks at Universal Studios. Oh, interesting. <laughs> we played football together. He is uh, also, he started his wrestling career uh, on Tough Enough. I believe it was season two. He was one of the last finalists. Oh, wrestling heads uh, out there. Yes, that's like that. That was their developmental reality TV show. Uh, moved on to some time at OVW and then transitioned to TNA when it when it did existed in its different medium. Multiple championships. He's at Ring of Honor now. Uh, he's also been a contestant on The Bachelorette, which is incredible and uh, crowd favorite. But I think the more important thing is a authentic, genuine, good human being. I know him as Kenny Lane. Everybody else knows him as Kenny King. Kenny is joining us as a guest today. Kenny, how are you? Kenny! Oh, no, go on. Just oh. <laughs> oh, should we? Do you know what I was about to say? I was about to be like, you know what I know him as? As a workout partner at the YMCA and then watching you guys play some basketball in the gym and coming over and hanging out and sleeping over and part like I, I like I, all that stuff. I hear all these accolades and I'm like, yeah, that's Kenny. But I just remember the good times of like when it's not that reality surrounding you, which Dr. not to say that times to now are bad. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. No, I mean, you know, those those are those uh, when they say the good old days you think about before things get get titles or, or get complicated or, or or any of those things you just remember when you hung out with who you wanted to hang out with and you, and you kind of just did those things. Yeah. So cool. It's, well, it, it's funny. It's funny. We probably, sh I shouldn't have said any of the personal stuff because we could have sent this reel to another professional wrestler and be like, Hey, professional wrestlers are coming on our show all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, but instead we're genuine and authentic. And I will talk about the fact that we have been friends for over 20 years just to put that in perspective, which is yeah. just crazy. I don't, I don't, I two mean, decades. he was a mentor to me. Yeah, that's two decades. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. You're Aubrey, welcome. Uh, Aubrey and I were actually playing a list of songs that came out in 1990. Aubrey is my wife, by the way, and 1990 is the year she was born. So it was very interesting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> like songs that came out in 1990. And I was like, I think that's the year Kenny did that. Is, was it 90 or 99? Or was it? Was it 99 that you graduated high school, correct? Yep. Or was it 2000? 99. 99. Yeah, so we were both like, and by 1990 rolling around, we're like well into like forming as a human being and my wife's just coming into the world at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how that goes. <laughs> it is, it is. So we were just, we were just obviously discussing wrestling and the pandemic and, and obviously for those of you who don't, for those people who don't know about you, if you want to talk a little bit about what your career in wrestling has been leading up into what it's like now, as opposed to what it's been like for the last 10, 15 years that you've been in professional wrestling. Take these 30 years and condense them into a description that fits about a couple minutes. Good luck. I'm right. just kidding. I'm just well, kidding. I mean, 
you know, uh, the, it, my wrestling career, uh, where are we, November? November is 19 years. No? Wow. Yeah, November makes 19 years. Um, you know, like I said, started on Tough Enough. After Tough Enough, I came to Vegas and uh, and after the, the, the star-studded cast of Al Snow and Chavo Guerrero and Bob Holly and, uh, and Ivory that I was trained by, I was able to come here to Vegas and, uh, and train at this place where I was also be able to train with Nick Bockwinkle and uh, Scott Casey, for those of you, those that's for old, old school wrestling. But, uh, you know, so doing that and then going to the Indies and, you know, driving six or seven hours for fifteen twenty dollars, wow. <laughs> driving six or seven hours way back, uh, doing that for years and you know years and being able to get a sh- you know finally get your your one shot and then take that and then multiply that and then you know take that and then you know it's all about occupying space, how much space you can occupy and whenever and never losing any, just always you know gaining more. Um, and then all of a sudden you don't, you know, there's no fans. All of a sudden there's a pandemic and they say, hey, look, you, uh, the, the, the people that you do this for, the reasons why you get into the business uh, and uh, when you were learning how to do this, uh, the the main catalyst, I guess what you could say, of, for how you put your matches together and, and what you do when you're in there, uh, yeah, those people are gone. So now you're going to have to do this a completely different way. Um, it's difficult. It's, it's interesting uh, to see what people have done and uh, you know, kudos to to for good, bad, or in between. Uh, Ring of Honor has said that we didn't really like the the empty arena shows at first, and they were going to kind of just wait and see. Um, but just recently, we had to go back, and we we you know had, we had to put some content out. It's been a long time. Yeah. We didn't you know left behind. So uh, I had the opportunity the first time in my twenty years that to wrestle in front of nobody voluntarily, right? There's been plenty of times in my early career where <laughs> I thought there was going to be people there and wasn't nobody there. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> when you think people are going to be there, ain't nobody there. It's different from, okay, I know nobody's going to be here. So, yeah. um, but it's, it's ultimately about creating um, and, and the art and, and putting things out that, uh, people that are interested in wrestling and wrestling fans are interested in seeing. So I was happy that we were we were able to do that. I'm proud and and, and um, proud of the content we we produce and, and just really kind of just itching to create more. Like I haven't wrestled in six months and then I got to wrestling now. They're like, okay, see you in October. My body's like, wait, what? Yeah. So do you feel like um, the the not having fans is only making you anticipate having them back even more? Like, is there, is there an aspect of like, I can't wait to step out into the ring and be surrounded by all these people. Like it's slowly building for like more excitement. It's like getting close to Christmas, but in a really odd and dark and kind of, uh, you know, global pandemic type of way. I think it's mutual. You know, I think that as much as we are saying, man, you know, uh, this is, this is interesting. Some people had, you know, better uh, more positive outlooks on it than others, but uh, everybody kind of feels one way about it. But uh, in the same way that fans are sitting there looking at empty arenas, like and like, oh my god, like the reaction to that could have been this or it could have been that. So, yeah. um, man, I feel like it's going to be a little bit like nitro and glycerin when when you have the people who are waiting to entertain the wow. fans finally get in contact with the fans that are willing to be entertained. Uh, you'd have to be a pretty bad pro wrestler not to get a good reaction, at right? That. Yeah, I just got chills thinking right. about that in my right. own mind. I was right. like, what is that going to be like? You know, that first moment. You're right. It's just going to be electric. 
It's going to yeah. be a boom. It's going to be crazy. You know, gonna be, <laughs> it's it's going to be, uh, you know, we we if we guys that have been down to Mexico, you say like this people that watch wrestling in Mexico is kind of how like fans should be, right? Whether mm. it's their five or 80, they are there to, to be vocal. They are there to just enjoy everything. I think, you know, sometimes fans in the U.S. can be a little spoiled, but I feel like everybody's going to be Mexican fans after this. Like, no matter what you do, if you mm. take your robot, people are going to be like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be, uh, we're all looking forward to it, I think. So obviously other promotions other than yours have made adjustments. So obviously Ring of Honor is now moving towards making adjustments and shots of the material. So obviously we've talked about the biggest promotion that you did work for at one point. What do you think of the Thunderdome idea? Like I don't, I don't necessarily want to put you on the spot here, but the idea of rows of LED screens and using them as a pop, and I, obviously you read the stories about there being one screen that was KKK and another screen that was Chris Benoit and another screen that was an ISIS uh, murder. Basically, I don't know how else to say that without saying yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> like um, I, I mean, how do you feel about the largest promotion in the world trying to move forward? And this is the solution that they come up with. I mean, I think I think it's a good idea. Right. I think it's. Mm. <clears throat> It's a way to be to continue to be interactive with your fans. It's a way to continue to 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 show them that hey, look, we're not just producing a one sided thing. We want you uh, to be in, uh, as involved with this as possible. And you know, I think it's it's version one of the idea, right? Like it, you have, I mean, this is just the world that we live in, right? If you have if you give ten people an opportunity to be <laughs> to be idiots, you know, you're going to get. 70% people that are going to say, man, I had a really idea to, to be an ass. And then those three people that are like, I'm going to be an ass. Yeah. So you have to accept uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And give people the opportunity to do some stupid shit. Exactly. Most Someone's going to do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's kudos to him for giving it the shot. I don't know how you fix the idea. Yeah. I think that there are ways to fine tune it. I don't know how it works as far as like audio because you can't hear the people. All you can, if you're wrestling, it might even be damn distracting. I wouldn't want to be listening to that. Right. Like, what's going on up there? Watch yeah. out. You, know, you can't, I don't know how distracting or not. Distracting 20 different types of music would be playing. You know, yeah. people are sending in soundboards. It would, it would be hell to my eardrum. Yeah. It would be bad. So I think it's it's a good idea. I think moving forward in in this, um, you have to kind of continue to be whatever edgy or at least show that you're doing something right. And I right. think that whatever version, the, the the last version or the best version of this takes, I think it's just going to take some time for people to because you know, like I said, it started with with nobody, and then you know, AEW was like, well, at least let's have some people sitting here making some noise, and so it resembles. Uh, wrestling a little bit and you know so it's these are all different iterations of just trying to get this thing looking and sounding back to normal yeah. well obviously you know change of gears here um obviously we know each other incredibly well and we've we've had many a topical conversation that's not obvious for a lot of world. people because they don't know your, your relationship <laughs> well, i introduced it that we <laughs> know, know each other know. for a bunch of years <laughs> You just made a statement that anybody listening would be like, I mean, everybody here that are listening and watching just knows that. Why don't you all know this already? Jeez. So, considering the fact that we've known each other since we were teenagers, we've had many a topic of conversation about socially what's going on in the world right now. And I think, you know, obviously we could could talk about all the other stuff 
I don't want to necessarily minimize it as stuff, but it is it is going on. It is a large complicated. But what I want to ask you about is necessarily, you know, from a from a social perspective, from an institutional perspective, do you feel like that as an African American wrestler that you have faced certain obstacles and complications that necessarily you wouldn't have if you weren't an African-American wrestler? Well, I mean, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the honest truth is like being, there isn't an aspect of my life that being black doesn't affect. So uh, if we are going to get into my professional career, then absolutely. Um, you know, everything, everything is, is, is everyone is kind of, on built on the back and the shoulders of everybody else, right? So, so while I can look back and say, no, I probably didn't deal with the kind of stuff that like Devon Dudley or who's in front of me, like an Ahmed Johnson or Ron Simmons or, or you know, D'Lo Brown, guys who are like one generation ahead of me. Maybe I didn't have to deal with some of those things, but but I also think that some of the guys that are uh, behind me don't necessarily deal with some of the things that maybe I did. So, for example, like. Um, I don't, I don't think this happens as much anymore, but when I was first breaking in, you had to kind of survey how many black dudes were on the roster at any place that you wanted to go. Like, okay, well, how many black guys are there? Uh, uh, for example, I can remember doing this for TNA when I first went, moved from Vegas to Florida and I was looking to go do my first thing at TNA and I was like, okay, well, you know, they, they've got a big guy and there's Monty Brown's in the, uh, in the, the, the heavyweight division. So you kind of have to, plot yourself, right? You have to say, okay, well, there's a black guy there. Is there's a black guy in the X division? Okay, well, how many? Are there too many? Okay, well, I can't do that. Wow. So, um, you know, and it's, it's kind of like that with, <laughs> I, I don't know, I think maybe it's like that with even most indie organizations. You kind of have to look and say, okay, well, where, where could I fit? Uh, was that something you, know, you learned? Or was did somebody have a point in one, like, moment of, of a talk with you about this? Or was this, was this something for you in that journey that you learned along the way? Um, it's, it's one of those things that is low, uh, implied to a certain extent, Got right? Because yeah. For example, like if I'm, uh, back in those days when you would try to email a promoter and say, Hey, I'm trying, I'm XYZ. This is my, uh, this is, who, this is what I do. This is where I, you know, the kind of stuff that I do Let's take a look. And then uh, somebody would say, oh, well, you know, we kind of already have low key and then we have da, 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 da. So, uh, you know, with low key, we've got, you know, Scoot Andrews, we have these guys. And and I don't know that, you know, any of my, my, my other contemporaries would have to deal with, okay, yeah, well, we got Seth Rollins and we got Dean Ambrose and we got, I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't. <laughs> right. There's, there's always a surplus of long-haired, you know, brown-haired white dudes, but you know, there, there had to be some sort of kind of, I wouldn't say quota, but a, a max. Like, there would be a joke, and I, and I can remember my second time with TNA, uh, it would be myself, MVP, Bobby, D'Lo, and Devon kind of standing around, and D'Lo would come over, Devon would come out and say, hey, man, don't stand, we don't need all of us standing around here. We don't need Dixie to know that she hires, she got, she got five black dudes on the roster. Wow. No, that's a joke. And wow. we all laugh, right? That's a joke that I guarantee you, you know, some, Kevin Seen's never told that joke or Jeff yeah. Jarrett's never told that joke. But yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a group of us that, that yeah. know that joke very well. Wow. Do you, do you think that if, uh, just going to put this out there, if wrestling was live right now and you were doing live shows, would you guys be uniting the way the other pro sports have to kind of walk out with, with everything that's going on in the world? 
Man, that's a good question, right? Um, and, and, and I've asked that question before because as far as like why, uh, why you know, pro wrestling doesn't, hasn't, hasn't made more of that kind of thing. And it's, you know, when you're looking at Kenny King, Kenny King's a completely different person with a completely set, different set of wants, needs, and, and objectives and, and, and priorities than Kenny Lane is. So, um, you know, that's when you would have to really try to blur the lines and, and, and really kind of take a step and say, okay, well, for, for, for a second, I'm going to stop being bad guy Kenny King and let y'all know what Kenny Lane is thinking about. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's, uh, it, it, it's hard when you're playing a character, right? That would almost be like if you're watching Game of Thrones and all of a sudden Kid Harrington says, well, hold on, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not John Snow, let me tell you about some shit that, and then yeah. you'd be thrown off because, you know, okay, Kit Harrington. Brexit I'm, is bad. Right. Kit Harrington, Brexit is bad. All right, I'll fix John Snow. But this is not coinciding with the dragons and the Baratheons and nothing that's going on. Yeah. So right. it, wow. it, it, yeah. It, it would be difficult i feel and and not maybe as well received for kofi kingston to stop in the middle of his feud with the miz to say i can't continue to play fight in my underwear with wow. the miz because this shit here is, is more important you know it's it's i think that there 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 are wrestlers ways. are in a unique position right right because we can play with it in different ways on camera and 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 have it hit home in different ways that people don't think it's supposed to. Um, and, and we can play with that versus, you know, LeBron takes the court, LeBron's job, you know, he, he can inspire you through his athleticism or through his will to win or through, you know, whatever the, the story that that game is. But LeBron can't tell you a an intricate story over four or five episodes that pays off and has you go, Oh, and that's kind of the yeah. wrestling is in that, in that position. He also stays himself when he's performing. You, right. you, when you're in front of the camera, you are this character. You know, it's like for me as an actor, and you were describing that, Jesse, it was like, yeah, that would be so odd if in a moment of performance you broke character to to address something. It would just be, it would, it would, no matter how much I would be like, this is the right thing to do, it would feel so weird. It right, would just, right. And it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't hit home, I don't think, yeah. right? Because, well, wait, 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 what are, you, what are we doing here? Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I don't think that uh, pro wrestling is just that the, it's not necessarily the Avenue, but um, it, it wouldn't just be well received. It wouldn't be as well received as, you know, Oh shit, they're not playing the playoffs today. Okay. Right. Now. And, and even that, you know, uh, I just feel like it's, it's a fantastic gesture. Right. And it is, and it is something, but there's gotta be some sort of, actionable move behind it right um, otherwise what's the whole point otherwise it kind of looks like a publicity stunt and i know that that's not sure. what it was i know that it was a visceral reaction to right. what's actually happening sure. but you have so many people that refuse to even <clears throat> that refuse to, to to even accept that on that level so now these the, that that gesture has to kind of take on an you know a a another movement of its own it's fair or unfair it just kind of is what it is so. yeah now obviously you you talked about the fact that bad guy kenny king so obviously for for wrestling terminology that's referred to as a heel so obviously we have heels and we have faces and we 
occasionally for the person that they really want to make a tweener, the rock, for instance. Um, but what do you, what have been in your influences as a heel? Cause I think, you know, it's, it's kind of understated that most, most performers love being the villain more than they love being the bad guy. It provides them more creativity. So as, as heel Kenny King, have you had any influences, whether from a pop culture standpoint or just, you know, people in your life that have helped influence the, the villain character that you rule out? And can I ask, add an element to that? Because I know you are a gamer as well. Have there been any characters in video games or maybe experiences online with human beings that have informed <laughs> some of your decisions because i'll tell you i have done performances where i was like i remember this person in that game i'm gonna do that as this performance and people were like man you're a real asshole i'm like i know i know um man there's there's a there's about three or four and they're not actually even wrestlers now that i think about it uh, when i think about my uh my influences i guess for my character and, the, and, and this thing is always uh it's always ever evolving Right. Um, right. Depends on, you know, who I, who I'm with or what it is that I'm doing and, and the thing. But it's always evolving. But um, a a good my character is a good hodgepodge of O Dog uh, from Menace to Society, Nikki Santino or Nikki Santuro from Casino, um, Rod Tidwell from Jerry Maguire, nice. Albert Wesker from Resident Evil. And uh, and a little bit of and a, and a, for for where I'm doing now, like this this novelist thing that I've been doing, uh, a little bit of Tom Collins from The Godfather, the, oh, the wow. real nice. the real the original consigliere. Oh wow, nice. That's really cool. Nice. That's quite the hodgepodge. Well, it's a it's a lot of bites, right? It's a lot of bites. If you can take bits and pieces from from these people and and yeah. and, uh, and and situationally kind of like be this guy, this, be this guy, then it just gives you depth, and especially as a pro wrestler where they just think, you know, it's okay, it's fight, fight, fighter. Let me tell you something, brother, but if you can add levels <laughs> uh, to it, then I, then I think that that's, and, and that's all just from, you know, watching and being like, oh, 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 and, and that's literally what I do. I watch something and be like, stolen, 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 and, uh, and, and, and hopefully it comes through. That makes that makes a lot of sense. By the way, I just want to I want to add, I didn't realize when actually interacting with professional wrestlers, I used to do um, uh, DDP yoga at, at Dallas's house in, in, in uh, Atlanta. And I met, you know, some of the guys who live in the house, whatever. Brother is a common word <laughs> used so much that you're like, oh, that's not character. That's actually them speaking. It's all that it was. It was even in text, which I thought was hilarious as well. Uh, in your lifetime, just That's a real a of- random question. How many times do you think you've heard the word brother? Heard? <laughs> um, well, I've been wrestling going on 19 years, right? In, in upwards of maybe 300,000 times. I believe it. So if you had a, that's one of those, if you had a nickel statements, if I had a nickel. Uh, like- you got to, right? It's, it's, it's also how you bridge the segue of not knowing a guy's name and, and you know, <laughs> when you a wrestling locker room and, you know, you might know five out of the 28 dudes in there. Oh, everybody's yeah. brother. Oh, hey, brother. How you doing? Oh, brother. Good to see you. Oh, brother. How you been, man? Brother, yeah. I've been 
fine. Hey, man, have you seen the brother over there? Yeah, that brother over there is doing fine. Hey, man, don't try to brother me up. It's, it's, and that's just four different conversations, right? So, <laughs> Going on at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a verb. It's a noun. It's an adjective. It's, it's, it's like gimmick, right? The word gimmick is, is also a thing in wrestling culture that is all-encompassing. Like, it's, oh, hey, man, you see that gimmick? Oh, man, hey, grab me that gimmick over there. Hey, watch out for that gimmick. You know, so it's, it's uh, we, speak, we speak a different language for real. Some of your, so obviously besides your athletic prowess um, and your presence and your ability to, to, to draw a crowd, whether it's as a healer, as a face, I think one of the big things that you're known as through your career, you're welcome, by the way, for the intro, you can record that and use that somewhere else, <laughs> is, is, is your ability to cut a promo. I think, I think if, if given the freedom uh, you have over the years proven the the availability and the opportunity to cut a sick promo um, on anybody that you're dealing with. And uh, I feel like that I've been to events where it feels like you've got five minutes of chemistry with a guy and you could still cut an absolute amazing promo on them. What do you feel like has been the reason why you're so good at cutting that promo? And what do you think makes uh, what makes a good person at cutting promos within the wrestling industry? Damn it, I, my phone just died, but I literally just posted a picture uh, of the reason why today. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but after Tough Enough, I was trained by Nick Bockwinkle. And Bockwinkle would come in, uh, if you don't know Bockwinkle, just he's an AWA legend, uh, one of the greatest heels, one of the greatest promos of all time, right? So Nick would come in on Fridays to the Las Vegas Pro Wrestling Academy and he'd line us up and he'd, okay, Friday night, we're doing promos. And Nick would be the, the announcer and he, you know, the guy would, there would be a camera guy and Nick would wave you in and give you a topic and all right, today we've got Jesse and Jesse, you know, you're going, you, you've been talking, you and Chris have been about this since you've been teenagers, he's been stealing your stuff, he's been breaking your stuff, what are you going to do? And he, you know, silky smooth, he cuts you in and here you go. And one of the first things I, I remembered about Nick is you only got about six or seven seconds before he, he's going, oh, that was terrible. Well, now I'm bored and now I'm dead. Back to you. So uh, he, would, he would rip you apart, you know, if, wow. if, 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 if you're just up there rambling, he, he'd pull the mic from you and, and he'd give you and tear you apart and give it back. But the thing is, he'd always tear you apart, but then he'd put you back together, right? He'd give you an eye. Yeah. He'd let you know why you were boring. He'd let you know why this didn't work. He'd let you know why, you know, what, what are the key things you're trying to do in this promo? Are you trying to get people in the building? Or are you trying to get people out of the building? Right. And um, so that is one of the reasons I feel like that kind of intensive study, that kind of intensive scrutiny. Um, my also, and, and you know, my, my theatrical background, my acting background, my ability to, to be able to master and understand what a monologue is and, and understand how to deliver certain points uh, with certain efficiency. Um, I think all of those things boil down to, you know, cutting a promo is getting your best, uh, you know, getting, the, getting your points across in an engaging manner and leaving the people wanting to see whatever it is that your topic is. Um, and if you can do that in 60 to 90 seconds, then you might be gold. So um, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Big last pressure. Big right, pressure. Right. Right. Do you, do you feel, so I guess the last question when it comes to promos, do you, so obviously you just experienced having an empty stadium and obviously having to re record material which as a wrestler, there's going to be promo cutting that has, that has to do with that. Do you feel like the, 
lack of crowd makes it easier to focus on what your promo is? Mm. Or do you think that having the crowd there allows you to kind of draw off that energy and be able to kind of take that energy and add it to the promo to kind of make it more organic? Which both. way do you feel like you've gone? Both? Both. Um, it's, it's easy to... Uh, lose focus when you got thousands of people that don't like, don't care what you have to say. I mean, especially as, as a heel, if they don't like what you have to say, then they're trying to do everything to throw you off. Yeah. So that is uh, a, a major, major, major challenge. But on the flip side of that, man, when you've got a promo cooking and you are just banging them on every single word <laughs> and you know that you know you've got about two or three fire, you know, punchlines coming uh, and you just serving them up and you have them eating out of your hand. Um, those, those are, that's kind of what this whole thing is about too, right? So you lose, you lose that, uh, you lose the ability to gauge them and, and, and to bring them in and knock them over, but you also lose the ability for them to, to throw you off because they try all the time. Yeah. You know, it, it actually makes me think of something with, um, regard to like when you are slowly on the path of, of becoming better at something, right? Or you're trying to master a technique or an art form or whatever it is that you're, you're going after. You could say that even within wrestling, the art of cutting a promo in and of itself is its own journey outside of the ability to wrestle in the ring. Like there are many people that I'm sure you've come across. They're like, they're phenomenal in the ring, but once they get on a mic, you're just like, what is, what is this? When would you say, if there is a moment that you can reference, maybe for anybody that's been following you or just in general for, for us, because, I, man, I'm actually genuinely curious. Was there a moment that you cut a promo that you were like, I'm doing it? You know what I mean? Like the same moment like uh, Robin Williams and, and, and Hook started to, to, to believe and he could start to see the world around him. What was the moment that you started to fly and you recognized it? You know, uh, I don't think that I had one of those moments. Um, no wrestling right but i can tell you when i kind of knew that i was supposed to be doing this was my uh the uh, the casting special on tough enough they showed my intro promo uh, and i was in in ring and i was talking to like jim ross and you know all the all the the the, the, the judges up there and man i cut this crazy promo about what it meant to be a champion and it started with me talking about jumping bags and then i ended up humping the ground and dancing like michael jackson but um just going back and seeing that i watched stuff enough before you know over again with kids and getting them to see me do this at 20 is a whole different thing but yeah watching that promo again man i was like that kid right there knew like i i didn't know that i knew and i probably just kind of came up with that yeah. right as i was as I was, you know, sitting outside waiting on, it was my turn, but that's presence. That is, that's, that is an all-star uh, promo in my opinion. And that's from a kid who had no wrestling training, who was just trying to get a job. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I, I love those, I had I love the those moments in life. I had the benefit of hearing a couple of uh, halftime locker room promos from Kenny, because he was usually the one who was, bringing up everybody when we went into the locker room at halftime. We didn't have a lot of times where we needed to be brought up, but when we did need to be brought up, that was the man bringing everybody up. So uh, awesome. when, when, when the time came that this was going to be his career, I was like, cool. This is going to be awesome. Can't wait to see this. I know this so. question always creates controversy, but this is like if we were talking to, you know, a basketball player, I'd ask the LeBron, Jordan, Kobe question or whatever. Who would you say is the best promo cutter 
within all of professional wrestling. And if you don't want to give it to just one, do you have like a top three? It's the rock, man. There's, there's like, there's no question. There's zero questions. Uh, how far above and beyond everybody uh, that the rock is when it comes to, I mean, I can remember um, not even really at one point liking WWF and just watching nitro, but I'm flipping back and forth because if I see this dude with the microphone, everything stops. I'm watching this guy. I got to hear what he's got to say. He's about to say something crazy. Somebody's about to just get embarrassed. Uh, and I mean, he, he, even when he comes back, he just is the focal point. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there is a guy who's that's cool who's on that level. I agree. Cause that's what I was going to say. I just, I know people have their commentary on that and I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it always is just like, he's, he's, he's a, a, a master. He's, he's, he's a legend. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I actually, you know, it's actually funny. When we talk about cutting promos, one of my favorite promos of all time thought about is when The Rock was going to wrestle Kane and Triple H and Undertaker in a match, and he did imitations of all of them in the promo that he was cutting. It was, his Kane imitation is like embedded in my brain. It was so good. But I actually think it's funny you say that because I think very close to that, that, that Rock status was Jericho's ability and still ability from longevity to still cut a promo. And when he debuted, I think it's so cool to go back and look at the day he debuted at WWE and it was rock in the ring and Jericho cutting a promo. And we may have potentially, you know, there's a lot of other guys, no offense to anybody else, but those two are some of two of the best ever in mm-hmm. the industry to cut a promo, cutting them against each other in that moment. And it was just, it was gold. I don't think they knew it was going to be that kind of gold when it, when it happened, but, Man, it was gold. It was amazing when it occurred. Do you have so, Do you have a memory uh, now that we're talking about the Rock? And I'm just curious. Do you have one that sticks out to you, Kenny, as someone who is a a a uh, a king of of promos? Is there a uh, Is there one of his that you remember that you have, like Jesse? I mean that 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 one that promo right there. But specifically when he said something like, "You think you're coming here and you're the the man because you've been beating on jabronis named Hooven Dude." Who is Hooven dude? And everyone's like, oh, God, why? And Hooven was probably like, damn, it's over for me. Like, I mean, that promo right there, I, I was actually in Tough Enough. We were, uh, we were in a, I was training for Tough Enough, and we were in a bar watching that promo. <laughs> wow. Such, I, did, I did it for The Rock. I did it. Like, that whole Rikishi segment so good. Man. Um, Speaking of wrestling, I think uh, the other half of my team has established uh, a trivia for you. You so are the, like, we're gonna the put first you on the time spot. that we're going to do this. Put together some some questions, wanting to test your you know your knowledge on some things. Um, so, do you feel ready? I'm always ready. All right, cool. Okay, so first question, Mr. King. What do you call a wrestler who intentionally loses in order to build hype for his or her opponents? Is it a briber, a loser, a jobber, or a sucker? Uh, A C, a jobber. That is correct. Not shocked at all. We wanted to throw a fastball right out there over for you. I appreciate the love. You're welcome. Chris, let's go with you. Let's go with you grabbing, grabbing number two. 
You want me to do number two? Uh, yeah, do number two. Yeah, just don't do number three. I got number three. Okay. Uh, what is the term for a wrestler who performs in a manner that generates positive fan reaction? Is it a good man? Is it a nice guy? Is it a people person? Or is it a baby face? It's a baby face. That is correct. Kenny, you're knocking him out of the park, man. You are a master. I don't know if we're going to get you. Now, Kenny, now, Kenny, this is fill in the blank, and all of these questions are related to you and your history. Blank directed the 1975 iconic movie Jaws. Oh, man. Uh, is that Spielberg? It's Steven Spielberg. Hello. That is Steven Spielberg is correct. Yes, Boom. absolutely. Nice. That's good. Jaws. Got to keep you on your toes. Got to keep you on your toes. I was ready for the Jaws questions. I'm ready for them. <laughs> so uh let's do another one some of these i realized i was like yeah he's been doing this for quite some time but uh let's do it anyways because we do have people listening so they'll probably be guessing hopefully wrong and not you uh oftentimes a wrestler dresses in a manner to promote a certain stereotype or wears a costume with a certain theme what is this called is it a fake out a gimmick makeup or a playwright uh it is the use all word for all things wrestling gimmick that is correct that is man. tell him what he's won he's won another question he's won oh, congrats <laughs> all right uh let's let's go to the next one in the, the famous 1975 blockbuster movie jaws what was the name of the animatronic shark on set was it marco was it James? Was it Bruce? Or was it Jack? Bruce. That is correct. <laughs> no. Man. Jeez. You know your job is knowledge. I did that for a long time. Too. Interesting. <laughs> All right. You could probably go, go skip our show right now. <laughs> so here's another one. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jesse? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, pro wrestling promotions often set up a fictional storyline between several superstars to generate interest in a certain matchup. Even when outside the ring, most wrestlers will adhere to his or her character, and sometimes there will be incidents that appear to be real that are staged by the promotion as part of the wrestler's story. What is the term used to describe this? Is it kayfab? Is it action scene? Is it life ploy? Or is it fraudulation? It's none of those. It's kayfabe. 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 I thought the E was silent. (laughs) I'm over here with a silent E. Can you help me understand where does that word come from? It's a carny thing. Um, So pro wrestling started in the carnivals. Uh, Initially, how how the whole pro wrestling thing started in the 30s was that people would, they would, you know, the local strongman or the circus strongman would come in and he'd, you know, diss everybody in the crowd. And then there'd be a plant. You'd be like, well, I could beat you. And this guy can't beat me. And then the the plant would come in and he'd beat the shit out of the strongman. And then, hey, we've got a winner. So that, you know, that's kind of the local lore about how how they started working matches. So kayfabe initially started as a a way that 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 was the whole gimmick, right? Kayfabe, you know, we're all working together. Uh, and it's and there's a whole language 
uh, it's called in Carney, it's called, you know, Kayfabe's Kizabe, Fizabe, uh, where you speak to, you can speak to the person that you're working with in front of the marks and they still don't have any idea that you're, that you're, that you're working them. Wow. Uh, that's, that's all the, the, the beginnings of Kayfabe was from the carnival. That's so cool. Wrestling nerd addendum question, is Kayfabe dead? Are you going to ask the tough enough kid of Kayfabe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they trying their hardest to kill. I don't know if it's dead, but they're trying their hardest to kill Kayfabe. And yeah, they you know, are. some things, in some ways that's good, in some ways it's not good. Yeah. All right. Next question. I'm, I'm segueing off of Jaws. Sometimes in pro wrestling, a wrestler will break character or do something unscripted. What is this called? A code breaker, a snafu, a shoot, a bummer. A shoot. Mm. Can you a very famous shoots inform us maybe without having to name names? Is there a moment in your history with a shoot occurring that you recall or think of as I asked that question? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's there's a an instance where uh, I've had to, well, I just had to punch somebody in the face because they were, uh, you know, it was like, hey, man, lighten up. Hey, man, uh-huh. lighten up. Are you shooting on me? And then uh, and then it got real, real for a second, and then everything was it was cake. Wow. So, uh, you know, it can, it can kind of be like that. Oh, where, yeah. You know, sometimes you have to coerce another guy into working with you, but, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> Just it depends on how how firm you you coerce him. Uh, so I heard some stories in Dallas's house, so that's why when you when I was curious to ask if and uh, it was uh, I think it was Scott was mentioning that one time that he was like, yeah, I had to I had to punch him. I literally had to I had to hit him. And I think that was the same story I learned that chair shots can't be faked. You're getting slapped in the back with the chair, and you just accept it. That's kind of what it is, back or back or or head. You know, you you choose, but there's no <laughs> those are real players. Yeah, I feel like even when the guys put the hands up, that their hands are like, "This is still gonna hurt me." It's like, literally the worst still- because you feel it where you wear a cushion, but now you just get this freaking electric shock all the way up and down your arm, which doesn't go away. So, uh, you know, it's it's pick one. Yeah, you just got to pick it. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to come at you out of left field here with a question. Um, in the classic hit iconic movie directed by Steven Spielberg, Jaws, the rowboat guy has one of his appendages bitten off by Bruce the shark, and it floats to the bottom of the inlet. What, which appendage is it? Is it his hand? Is it his head? Is it his leg or is it his torso this is quinn right i feel like quinn gets his legs eaten might be there's a robo guy before quinn's death oh the robo guy man uh, i'm gonna and there's a shot it's something drops is it his hand not his hand it's his leg Woo, we got him on one question. Yeah, we got him on a question. <laughs> to, to, to finish off that trivia and something that's just just genuine to your heart, were you sad to see the Jaws attraction close at Universal Studios? Oh, disgusted. 
Uh, especially, right. because, especially because I'm not really into Harry Potter. I really kind of guess I guess I got to get into it. Ah. Walking with my kids, I'm like, oh man, Amity's right over. What the hell is this? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not being able to like see the 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 midway or any of that. I mean, not mind you, like I'm not. I don't know anything about it, but it looks really really cool. The whole Harry Potter thing. It, it looks oh, exactly like so I would much fun. What it looks like, uh, but. You know, I'll leave my amity alone, bro. I need, yeah. I need some breeze makes me feel fine. You both worked. Yes. You oh both worked for Jaws, and you both hunted. You know, uh, uh, that uh, sh- the the shark for this ride. I do want to tell you about my experience, and then pick your brains on if you remember your experience. I do have one moment in my time of riding that ride a bunch, minus seeing Jesse do his his performance, was a guy doing the ride. And like he was so unenthusiastic about <laughs> what he was doing that it was hilarious to watch because he would be like, "Oh yeah, there's the shark." <sighs> okay, yeah, uh, it's uh, and and then there was this one time where he was like the boat was rocking, and he's like, <laughs> he looks he looks at the watch while the boat's rocking, and I'm just laughing my ass off because I'm like, I really I'm feeling it right now. I'm really feeling the suspense. I'm just, I'm so concerned. He's like, yeah, maybe we won't get out of here in time. I'll never forget the look to the wrist. Oh my God. Do you have a moment or a time doing the Jaws ride that you look back on fondly? Whoever wants to take it. First off, that guy was uh, probably on his seventh rotation on a bottom. Right. The seventh trip on a bottom two boat rotation. And he's waiting for that breaker. So he didn't give a damn about your ride at that point. (laughs) <laughs> that blue shirt at unload, like, ooh, we're coming home. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that might have been the most enthusiastic part was the we're coming home line. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, for me, I think one of my favorites, uh, <laughs> this isn't the greatest story of all time, but uh, <laughs> but we'll tell it anyway. All right. Uh, so, Halloween Horror Nights, um, they had, and early on in Halloween Horror Nights, they stopped doing all the, the main attraction rides and just did all of the, uh, the the houses. But at some point, maybe toward my end there, maybe my last year or so there, they started doing the the, the rides at night. Okay. Uh, so, you know. That seems scary. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, we would do it anyway during summertime, yeah. but we'd do right. it during Halloween. It, it was just a kind of whole different uh, aura, and it was really, really yeah. cool. Um, but that also meant that, you know, some of us would start drinking or whatever during, during our shifts. Uh, the more, the more irresponsible skippers, I don't know anybody, anything about that. So there's this one time, (laughs) this is terrible. Uh, so (laughs) so I'm getting on the boat and I was one of the guys that didn't, I didn't stay on script very well. It's kind of depend on what I felt like doing. If I felt like being on script, I just kind of, kind of did however I felt. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know how this happened, but I usually I do a pretty good, uh, scan of who's on my boat so that I can use them for jokes and, you know, use them for interaction later on. So we go and it's a Halloween Horror Nights, uh, show and we get into the boathouse and the boathouse is where the shark comes in and busts in and you kind of go out. So there's a line where, you know, we're heading out of the the boathouse and there's a voiceover line by Chief Brody. Chief Brody comes on and says, uh, I'm on my, you know, M86, I'm on my way. I'll be right there. I'll be there in 10 minutes. So uh, one of the things that I found it 
comical to say it at, at, at that point when I'd always stop and I'd look back at my boat and I'd say, 10 midgets, what are we gonna do with 10 midgets? Um, <laughs> so as I, you know, I'm folding my swing and I look back and I'm like, 10 midgets, what are we gonna do with, and row four is four um, little people. Smaller people? People, like, I don't know how I didn't notice this, right? Maybe somebody was sitting in front of them, I couldn't tell. <laughs> but I did not notice until that moment. And it was literally like, 10 midgets, what are we gonna do with 10? I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try with my back. And they were, I mean, it was as, as hot as, so the next scene after that is the big explosion and with the oil, the show scene, and there was more heat coming from the boat than there was coming from the, the explosion. Oh my God. I was trying to be on my best behavior all the way through. We're coming home. And uh, we let these people out and uh, they got up and very angrily complained uh, to to Pat uh, Hustle. <laughs> Pat Hustle, uh, huh? who was who was a great lead and I didn't wow. get into it. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, so so the guy that is talking right now who didn't stay on script all the time, when I first started at Jaws, I was like, I'm gonna stay on script all the time, and then I read wrote on his boats a few times and I was, you know, younger than him and more susceptible to influence. And I suddenly started going off script myself. Yeah. So, um, so besides having, so I had a really automatically. cool, yeah, you automatically. Say? automatically I'm yeah. Blame. I'm the blame, right? <laughs> so, so, uh, I actually, so besides having Joe Namath on my boat one time, which was really cool, which at one point we were crossing and I guaranteed that we were going to kill the shark and then gave him a little wink and he didn't <laughs> back again, which is really cool. Um, I had this really funny line that I would always deliver where you come around the corner and there's a ship sinking and you go, I don't know what could have done this except for maybe a shark. And then uh, this is topical back then. I would throw in or the Taco Bell Chihuahua. <laughs> I would look back. I would look back at my boat when I did that. Well, I did that a lot. It always got a laugh, right? Because the, the boat was always like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" Like, yeah. you know, because part of the ride is. I can already hear people experience. googling the Taco Bell Chihuahua. I just, <laughs> right, yeah, right I, I'm, I'm aware that's occurring right now. <laughs> and and, I'm and then the other thing I heard is "Yo quiero Taco Bell." Right. And then people, I would always give like a little something in the show for people in the front row. Like, you know, it, when you're in the boathouse and you're trying to get the boat to rev, but it won't get out of gear. Like I would announce over the intercom that I had psychic powers and I was going to try and use my psychic powers. And I would just like use my hand to like look like I was trying to power the boat. And the like, people in the back couldn't see it, but the people in the front row always died. So it was kind of, kind of the same thing. You know, I always had kind of the same jokes. I rotated through them. And one night, I guess one of the managers of all of wherever that area was decided to stay in the island and listen to my whole spiel as I went. Margaret or Mimi, one of those two. Oh, yeah, wow. it was great. I got I got sent to the principal's office afterwards. <laughs> where uh, oh man, it was such a good dude. I can't remember his name. It was above Mary. It was an African American guy. He was really cool, and he was like, "So, Taco Bell Chihuahua." <laughs> I was like, yeah. He goes, we have to pay for the rights to that. We don't have that kind of money. So just don't use that anymore. <laughs> Otherwise, how have you been? <laughs> like, it was like, it was totally like that. Uh, we, we had 
you know, besides the memories that we have as friends, I think working on that ride and seeing it not around anymore, sometimes having a grenade launcher, sometimes having to throw imaginary grenades into the water. <laughs> So I would always go to a, a Hadouken whenever I could. <laughs> a well-placed Hadouken always works. That is awesome. And now I know if I would have had that job, I would have been throwing sonic booms. That's yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my Sorry. god. People, That's so people good. don't understand. People don't, people do not understand one how often that ride broke down. Two how ill-equipped sometimes we were when we were on the ride. I mean, literally, it was like. We're supposed to have these 40 millimeter grenade launchers and it's just an empty holster. It's like, you can see the part of this meal where it's like. Against 40 millimeter, against shark attacks by these 40 millimeter grenades. <laughs> and the fact that we ain't got nothing else, so. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that makes Yeah. Oh, man. There were sometimes, just to put it in perspective, there were sometimes where you're riding a boat full of people. And all the sounds are a shark jumping out of the water, but there's no shark jumping out of the water. Yeah. So you have to like sell it in that moment. You're like, oh, oh my gosh. He's screaming. Somebody's really loud. Man, those bubbles look very menacing. I hope nothing comes out of those bubbles. Oh, you man. Can, oh, man. And I bet you could see like the outline of the shark under the water, just not doing its thing. Hundred <laughs> percent. Most times it would, it would get stuck halfway, right? So then, if it would get stuck and they're not shutting down the ride, you'd be like, "Oh, just forget about the shark's cousin that you see here. This is a <laughs> <Right>. shark." <laughs> good, good, good news. We temporarily paralyzed the shark. We can get back to land. We're gonna be okay. Oh my and God, God. And God, for, God forbid, like the whole ride freezes and we all get stuck like on a boat because because they give you this giant script of Amity history that you're supposed to go over with the people when the whole ride freezes. Because they but, know it's going to break down. So they're just like, <laughs> no, literally, I wish I still had it. It was like an encyclopedia of Amity you're supposed to start talking about in the middle of running away from a giant shark trying to eat you. It's like, oh, by the way, did you know this? About Amity, Amity was founded in 19... 19- <laughs> What is he Ooh, talking man, about? That ice cream parlor over there, that sure does look good, doesn't it? Man, I, you yeah. know that deep. No, I didn't know. What happened to the shark? Well, <laughs> funny you should ask about that. Though. He's taking a very, oh he's taking God. a break. We're just, we're just taking a break right now. We'll come back to the we shark. We brokered spot. a deal we'll with there. the shark. He's not sure if he's coming <laughs> out. He's not sure if he's going to attack. Well, the deal is that it'll yeah. only come out one time per show scene. So we'll be fine. We've already seen him more. He He's got a better here. contract than Shamu, guys. Don't worry. We'll we'll get him out. We'll get him out. Um, yeah, oh if we're God. gonna fight the shark, we gotta have a contract signed. And the worst was, and this will be the last, the worst was so you have this big, if no one's ridden this ride before, you're you're on the boat tour and all of a sudden shark shows up and you're trying to get away from the shark and he jumps out a bunch of times and jump scares and you know performance. But at the very end, he's supposed to jump out of the water bite on electrical lines and you shoot him twice with a grenade launcher. And the worst was when you didn't have a grenade launcher and he didn't jump out of the water. And you were just like... And it just it's just like this disco, straight, lighty, <laughs> screamy, weird thing that's happening and you're just looking at the folks like, man, something's happening. Somebody <laughs> must have their ass whooped. I don't know what happened, but let's call up the Marines. We're coming home. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Maybe that's why they closed that ride. Um, <laughs> you know, after the last last 20 minutes of the Jaws ride combo, I think we have figured it out. Yeah, it was about time to put it to bed. Oh, oh my God. Right. Well, <laughs> seriously, this is like, uh, this is this has been uh, an amazing time. Kenny, thank you t- for taking the time. Uh, out of your schedule to to hop on to the Nerd Jock podcast and, and and join with us. But obviously, before you go, anything that you got going on that you want to plug, promote, and then I want to throw a little fun one in there. Uh, what next gen console are you looking forward to? Ooh, uh, well, uh, you can find me on all my social media, Kenny King PB Two. That's Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok. That's my new thing. Doing just ridiculous stuff on TikTok. <laughs> I'm on um, there too, doing some Call of Duty clips. Yeah, yeah. So check me out on any of those things. I'm really interactive. Um, you know, I, I am. I'm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I didn't. I skipped. I completely skipped the Xbox in this generation, right? Yeah. And I wanted Halo, and I wanted all that, but I didn't see anything in the in an Xbox One that said, "Ah, eh, this is better than my PS4 Pro." Same. So, so I, I, I miss a lot. I mean, I miss a ton, a handful of games that, man, I really, really wish that I hadn't. But on, on the flip side of that, uh, Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us makes up for all of that. Yeah. So That multiplayer um, mode's coming out, too. Oh, and I don't know how badass that's going to be, but it's going to be. I'm, I'm excited. So I'm down to join you with that because when that drops, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to try that out. So, um, I, you know, I'm... I was listening to what you guys were saying and I've always been a wait and see guy when it comes to launch, right? Like, okay, I don't want, I don't want to be the guy that gets the first system and then have it red ring or have it blow up or whatever. Oh, yeah. uh, on top of the fact that traditionally launch games haven't been that impressive anyway, you usually got to wait sure. five because they're still yeah. making feature games for the, for the platform before that. So uh, I've always kind of given every, every system about five or six month run before I, I pick it up. So, but so far the PS five with all of its rehashed exclusive, I'm looking pretty fun. Like, yeah. come on, man, don't give me a Miles Morales game, which is just Spider-Man. right. Like, don't do me like, right. Come on, Right. And supposedly they're not announcing it yet, but a whole remastered Spider-Man is going to be on PS five to go with Miles Morales. Oh, so that, that actually has been confirmed. They're, did they confirm it's, it? Because I didn't hear full, that they confirmed it's it. It's the full game it? plus the Miles Morales experience. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I, I want to see that. I don't want no more Grand Theft Auto V, man. I don't, I don't want no more. Yeah. I've had it It was great. Yeah. I loved it. It was, it was a great game. But y'all starting to show your age a bit over at Rockstar. Yeah. I agree. I am excited about the tech behind the PS5 with the haptic feedback controllers that they've been talking about and the the sound, the Tempest audio they're talking about the first time in games that we're going to experience real 3D sound. So I'm I'm right there with you. I'm so hyped about the PlayStation 5. Don't be dope. Kenny, we'll have to have you on again um, and definitely to talk about why Last of Us 2 is terrible. So we'll definitely have to have that conversation. We're going to have to have that conversation. How much time? <laughs> no, we'd love to bring you back for that. Stay tuned. I already tuned, know that, that people are really upset by this. That that episode that is coming. The opinions that you both hold. Yeah. <laughs> and and I wanted it to be so good, and I was yeah. fighting. And I, I said to myself, I don't care how bad it is. You're not going to tell anybody that it's not good. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. It's not. It's it's not what I wanted it to be. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm getting everything I wanted from that from Ghost of Tsushima. So uh, I'll take it. There you go. Hell yeah. 
Oh yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kenny, man. Appreciate you. And we'll have you back on soon. And, and, and again, thank you for uh, coming on and, and chatting with us. All right, guys, take, take it easy. Later, man. Thanks, Kenny. Well, perfect day. That was a great episode. Uh, anecdotally, I think we got something at the end there that no one's ever heard before, which I think is really, really cool. Um, I think seeing Kenny as a human being outside of the contestant on The Bachelorette and also the wrestler, Kenny King, I think it's just, it's really cool to see in this climate. It's just, it's amazing. And we will have him back on again. Um, that's, that's without a doubt. He is going to be a part of this moving forward. We will. I just had some Zoom issues, but they're fixed now. So sorry for anybody watching. But yeah, seriously, I, I know it's been so long since the last time I saw him. So to, to, to get to chat with him prior and to do that during the podcast. And I was just like, it just felt like yesterday. I mean, that's the kind of the kind of person that Kenny is. Like, it's, it's like, yeah, I just saw you the other day. So, so cool. Awesome. Awesome episode. Loved we talked about. Went a little bit over, but it's OK because we talked about some stuff that I think is uh, just Genuinely amazing. So uh, that is the end of the Nerd Jocks podcast. Make sure to Very tune cool. in. All right. Tune in. Thank you. Thank you, nerds. Thank you, jocks. Thank you, nerd jocks. Thank you, those that all are, of the make above. up our audience. Appreciate all your support.